Blog Talk Radio. Okay, welcome to Blog Talk Radio. My name is Brother Emmett Overton. I have been on air here with Live Deliverance Internet Radio for 14 years. And this is a very interesting ministry. You will come under so many attacks if you're full-time ministry. The assault that I went through verbally at a, at a bank was something else, and God turned it around where they got to meet me tomorrow, me and the Lord, to get some injustice that was done to me. There are spirits that do these things. Spirits into the mind, the thought process, the intellect. Yes, they do. I hate to say this, uh, Brother John, this has nothing against you, but you can de- you got delivered from it. I'm going to have to say this, if you don't mind. I don't know what you're thinking this city. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Lord showed me when theologians graduate, they get demons in them, intellectual spirits. What? Just go wow. right in them, intellectual mm-hmm. demons. They've been trained to do it in the intellect, by the mind, write the scriptures by the mind, the topic, mm-hmm. the outline, structured by wow. the flesh, which is doctors wow. of demons. Demons work wow. with that. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit don't need you to write no outline down. Mm-hmm. Jesus gotcha. never wrote an outline nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere. Amen. Mm-hmm. Nowhere. So this, or what we're about to hear, is a case from the Exorcist files that happened to a woman where the spirit of rejection entered into her and she couldn't have a child. So she got caught up with the doctrines of devils. No one was able to tell her about it because the pastor didn't know it. The true story of our exorcist files case number one. It just doesn't work like that. So small. Give me your life. What are you doing with all the bugs? And who are you, sweetie? My name's Tina. How old are you, Tina? Seven years old. Wow, you're a big kid. Nice to meet you, Tina. Are you collecting grasshoppers? You are an astute observer, Tina. I'm collecting grasshoppers and crickets, butterflies, beetles, all types, and I'm putting them all in here. You see? I need them for something very, very special. That's a lot of bugs. Yes, it is, but I need more. Lots more. Say, would you like to help me? Well, come on, then. Okay. You have to be very slow and patient. Just watch. Eventually, you'll see one. There's one. What's that one? Ooh, that's a stink bug. Careful with those. They're very stinky. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you got it? Quickly now. Get it? Got it. Ew, it's gross. Great job. Now drop it in the jar, just like that. Good. Excellent work, Tina. So what's going to happen to the bugs? They are now in service of a greater good, Tina. All of them will eventually die in this jar. You want them to die? No, of course not, but they are dying for us, Tina. It's their destiny. But why do you let them die? They're giving me their life so I can create a new one. You're making new bugs? No, I'm making a new life. Life like you and me, Tina. Isn't that funny? Tina? Yes, the sum it is. Tina. Hey, Mom. What did I say about running off like that? You need to see where I can see you. Remember, I told you not to leave the playground area without asking. But I saw this lady crawling on the ground, and I asked her what was she doing. 
I'm so sorry. Is my daughter bothering you? No, not at all. She's quite the little helper. Great, great energy. We're collecting bugs so they can help her make new people. She's making a person out of the bugs. Tina, please come here. Time to go. Oh, Mom, right I... Now. That's really not necessary. Your daughter's helping me with something very, very special. All right, let's go. Children are such a blessing, aren't they? I'm not saying now. You're cowards. Thank you, Ferdinand. You're not worthy to have a child. What the hell is wrong? Rotten excuse of a mother. How dare you? The blessing of life is squandered on such a feeble mind. Wretched energy parasite. Guard that one closely while you still can. From your time, all your times will come. The magnetite that feeds on your flesh will have more significance than you. You fail your daughter as Cain failed. Death comes for you! Thou preacher, I will absorb your death! Together, that which was from the beginning is now with me. So it was, and so it shall be. Your energy is needed. Sacred life force fills you. Yes, my darling. So small, but so grand a purpose. Energy of old brings energy of new. In the Christian narrative, there was no evil before the fall of Satan. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He also created angels, pure spirits ordained into a glorious hierarchy to serve the Creator Himself. And chief among these angels was Lucifer, whose name means bringer of light. His beauty and majesty were second only to God's. But in the heart of Lucifer lay the seed of rebellion. He desired not to serve, but to be served. Blinded by arrogance and pride, Lucifer asserted his own will over God's and convinced a third of the angels to do the same. In that moment, he ceased being known as Lucifer as he no longer carried any light, and he became Satan, the Hebrew word which simply means adversary. A great cosmic battle occurred in heaven. God's forces, led by the archangel Michael, formed one side. Satan's forces charged against them on the other. The rebellious angels were defeated, and Satan and his angels were forever cast out of heaven. In this state of eternal separation from their creator, these fallen angels are today known as demons. Their dominion? The physical universe. Their mission? To sabotage God's plan for humanity by attempting to coerce us into their rebellion. To this very day, demons still maintain their power and rank from when they were first created. And because of the original sin of Adam, by which they received their authority, they harassed humanity, attempting to pull us into their own misery. And they can manifest within our physical realm through four degrees of increasing severity. Manipulation of a place or object through infestation, attacks on the human body and behavior through oppression, attacks on human thoughts and dreams through obsession, and most exceptionally, taking full control of the human body and acting without the victim's consent or knowledge through possession. In those extremely rare cases of genuine full possession, the effective cure for the victim is prayer developed by the Catholic Church 
that comes against the possessing spirit and ultimately sets the captive free. This ritual is called exorcism, and those who perform it are specially trained priests known as exorcists. For the last several years, there has been an alarming increase in the reported cases of demonic activity. And for some of the more disturbing and vicious cases of possession, one priest is often summoned. With almost two decades in the ministry, Father Carlos Martins has encountered evil in nearly every way imaginable. From Ouija boards and curses, to witches and demonic packs, Father Martins has battled that most wicked and ancient serpent in many forms. And here, in this series, we present to you stories, his stories. These are the Exorcist Files. Hi there, I'm producer and host Ryan Buffet, and together with our renowned exorcist and priest, Father Carlos Martins, I am so excited to be your co-host of The Exorcist Files, a show that takes a deep dive into the world of spiritual warfare. Now, the subject of the demonic is a weighty one, and to be clear, it's not something we take lightly. In preparing for this project, it became evident in our research that nearly every culture on Earth has a framework for healing the spirit. of evil. And should you ever encounter something that lines up with Father's experience, you will have a resource for how to deal with it. Now, before jumping in, I'd like to set the table with a few things. First and foremost, the stories you hear throughout this series are all first-hand accounts from Father Martins, pulled straight from the vault that contains his case files. And yes, there is an actual vault. Next, the subject matter is incredibly sensitive and emotional for those involved in these stories, and as such, the names, locations, and other specific details have been altered to protect the privacy of the victims and their families. And finally, to fully absorb what we intend to be an immersive binaural audio experience, headphones or earbuds are highly recommended when listening to this podcast. Personally, I'd leave a light on and not listen to this right before bed. Now, without further ado, it is my utmost pleasure introduce you to our resident demon disciplinarian, the one and only Father Carlos Martins. The job of the exorcist, contrary to what most people think, is not to cast out the devil. The job of the exorcist is to find out why is the devil there. He tasks himself with discovering what rights the devil has gained within the victim and then to aid the victim in rescinding those rights because without rescinding those rights the devil has every right to be there that is the process of exorcism my name is father carlos martins i am a priest of the catholic church and for the better part of 20 years I have been helping to liberate people of all faiths who are ensnared by the devil. 
Once again, my name is Ryan Bethay, and I'll be your co-host for the show. It is now time for our inaugural case file. May I present to you the accounts of Cheryl, her husband Mark, and a case of severely misguided psychic energy. Mark and Cheryl met in college and started dating just a week after meeting one another. Hey, aren't you in my psych class? Yeah, you. Sorry, what? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> You're good. What's are you, up? Are you in Psych 170 with me? Uh, Demon out of the sky. Can you hear me? Oh, no. I have talent. Hang on. Oh, then. Sorry, no. <laughs> You probably can't help me then. I was late for class and missed like the three midterm topics. So yeah. No, it's cool. You you do look familiar though. Have have we ever met before? I think maybe your subconscious just wanted to meet me. <laughs> you know, the term super ego is coming to mind. <laughs> maybe I just have like a memorable face. You do have a great face. Thank you. What kind of music are you listening to? Um, I guess it's kind of like pop. Can I, can I hear? Uh, of course. Sit down. Here. Wow, these headphones big enough for you? Jeez. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Sounds amazing, though. Oh, turn it up. Alright. Right? You like it? It's so good! Oh, chill, so chill, you're yelling. <laughs> Sorry. You're good, you're good. That's loud. That's good. What is it? Postal service. Oh, okay. I haven't heard of it. Um, obsessed with them right now. Kind of like their fanboy. Sounds like their fan base is male dominated. I see what you did there. That that was that was awful. Like that was that was top ten bad jokes I've ever heard. You made me laugh. (laughs) It was good to delivery. Thank you. Oh, ah, stop it! Got it. <laughs> even worse. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I'm Mark, by the way. Cheryl. Nice, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So, what's your uh, what's your next class that I'm out in? Um, it's in Garland Hall. Garland Hall. Mine too. Really? One year later, when they were both 22 years old, they married. They complimented each other well. But with each passing year of their marriage, their relationship became more and more strained. Both were eager for children, but for some reason that was undiagnosable, Cheryl was not able to get pregnant. Various times, she and Mark had been tested medically, but the results had always come back normal. Babe, talk to me, anything? Negative. I wasn't expecting anything right away, you know? But it's gonna happen. Just takes longer for some people, you know that. Mark, I'm pushing 31 here. Babe, trying isn't the worst thing, you know? We've had some fun. I mean, there are worse things to do over and over again. Uh, I think I'm broken. Hey, hey, hey. Don't do that. Look at me. Look at me. You're fine. I know you're fine. And the doctor knows it. We were both there. He confirmed it. So nothing's broken. 
what's going to happen when it's right. Okay? Me too. But do you know what I see right now? I see a stunning, gorgeous, perfectly fertile life, and I will love you. Even if we never conceive, I will always love you with my entire... Look, I mean, hypothetically, What do you mean? If? Why would you even say that? I'm not. I'm not Don't ever not. put that out there again. Okay. Ever. Okay. Forget I'm serious, it. Mark. I'll, I'll never say it again. Promise. I can't believe you go there, putting that thought into the world. I, I'm sorry, Cheryl. I, I didn't mean it that way. I was just... Look, I was just trying to be encouraging. Can you okay? give me a glass of water? I'm, I'm going to take one more test, to be sure. Don't you want to wait until... Please. I know it, I'm being dramatic, okay. but just humor Glass of water. Come on, up. With each passing year, Cheryl became more and more depressed. That depression reached such a point that she could no longer hold a job. Hey, Mr. Meyer. Um, sorry, I'm finally calling. Um, I, I wasn't feeling well. And I, I don't know how to put this. Economically, Mark made enough money to support his wife. He feared, though, that without a job, Cheryl would have more time to worry about being childless. He was right. Ah, turn the light off, please. Oh, sorry, I didn't realize you were... What are you doing? Playing the Sims. Nobody would have fun if I went over there today. But why? Because her son is home from school and I can't fake happy with that little guy running around, okay? Can you please stop interrogating me? Cheryl, you can't avoid your friends for having kids. Can you run downstairs and grab me a cap and a glass? Thanks. Sure, but how about you have a glass with me instead of your I need to finish this one. Can't stop now or I'll forget what I was doing. Okay. Thanks. Well... Come down when you're ready and we'll watch something. Mm-hmm. Love you. For a year, Cheryl was in a very dark period where she lived as a virtual shut-in. But then after about a year, there were new developments. Cheryl, what are you doing? Welcome. You must be um, Cheryl, yes? Yes. It's so lovely to meet you. Yeah, thanks. You too. Please, please sit down. Here. Uh, 
Can I get you anything? The water? Actually, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Don't have to be a psychic to see someone is thirsty. <laughs> well, I've never done anything like this before. Oh, everyone says that their first time. Uh, I'm thinking I need a special kind of help. I don't, I don't know where else to go, and I figured this couldn't hurt. Mm. I know why you're here. And don't worry, things are going to be different now. Very, very different. It's a new year, and you know what that means? Resolutions. Have you made any? More golf time is on the list. I'm Ziosa. And I'm Mala, co-host of Logatora Radio Podcast. If you're a fan of golf, Michelob Ultra is here to help with Michelob Ultra's Golf Pack Sweepstakes. Scan your Michelob Ultra golf can or head over to MichelobUltra.com slash Ultra Club to enter the sweepstakes. You'll be eligible to win prizes like tickets to PGA Tour events and rounds of golf at TPC courses. Or the grand prize, a trip to witness U.S. golf history for you and a friend. Okay, but if you win, you'll bring me, right? But of course. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash Ultra Club to enter and learn more. Remember, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Must be 21 or older. Please drink responsibly. Michelob Ultra, proud partner of the My Cultura Podcast Network. A network committed to supporting our Latino community, our vision, and our storytellers. Michelob Ultra Golf Pack Sweepstakes. No purchase necessary. Begins 1-1-23 and ends 3-1-23. Open to U.S. residents 21 and over. Void were prohibited. See official rules at MichelobUltra.com slash Ultra Club for prize information and details. Message and data rates may apply. Before you know it, the best part? Back to the Exorcist file, Carol. And so far, there's nothing too out of the ordinary, right? A couple struggling to conceive and a psychic. So, what's the connection? Well... This is a good moment for us to give some context on exactly how one can, in theory, become possessed or demonized. Here's Father Martins with a Catholic perspective. A person becomes possessed by giving a demon a jurisdiction by which he can possess that person. And the most common way by which that occurs is somebody commits what we call in Catholic theology a mortal sin. There are minor sins and greater sins. We call in Catholic theology a minor sin, a venial sin. You know, you say something rude and offensive to somebody, that's a minor sin. A mortal sin destroys the presence of grace within the person. To ensure we're all on the same page theologically, the grace Father speaks of is the gift of favor from God, a pure innocence that is granted at baptism and that innocence is compromised with the committing of a single mortal sin. Now, in the Catholic Church, for a sin to be mortal, three conditions must be met. The first condition being, a sin has to concern a serious issue or a grave matter. If you stole a dollar from somebody, that is not a grave sin. If you stole half a million dollars from somebody, though, that's a much more serious matter. The second condition, it has to be done with the knowledge that one is doing something evil. So if you accidentally put a million dollar necklace in your bag and walk away with it, well that wouldn't be sinful because it was done accidentally. But if you knew that you were stealing, that is done with knowledge. And the third condition is that it has to be done with full freedom so that it was possible to not do. 
if somebody is holding a gun to your head and saying, put that necklace in your bag and walk away with it, well, that's not done in freedom. So there has to be these three criteria present for a mortal sin. The devil has the jurisdiction to possess where there is one single mortal sin. Now, thankfully, it doesn't happen in the vast majority of occasions. So at the end of the day, there isn't perfect legality at play, but souls do become possessed. The most common conditions whereby possession occurs, in my experience, is the violation of the first commandment, in particular, where there is a dabbling in the occult, in the dark arts, fortune telling, Ouija board play, spiritual mediumship, that kind of reality. And that brings us to Cheryl's mortal sin, dabbling in the occult, thus opening a door to the demonic realm. Hey, babe? Yeah? This, this onesie, whose is this? Ours. This baby onesie? Yeah. Uh, what, what's it for? It's for us, silly. I bought it in Isn't it cute? Um, it is. But do we really need a onesie right now? Now? Later? It doesn't matter. Our child will wear it. We need it. So I figured I'd just get an early start. I guess so. Yeah. Come on. I mean, it says Mama's First Mixtape. Tell me that's not a perfect onesie. <laughs> yes. It's an awesome onesie, but I mean, sure you want to be buying baby clothes right now, you know? It's Positive thinking, babe. Things are going to be different for us now. To our future mixtape. Yes, to our future collab. Love you. I love you, too. Cheryl began to buy baby clothes. And at first, Mark didn't think much of these purchases, but eventually they became excessive. She purchased baby suits, bonnets, blankets, cans of baby formula, infant toys, and diaper jumbo packs in large quantities. She bought a crib and even an electronic baby monitoring system. Insects. Dead insects. And 
About two weeks later, Mark returned home from work. And as he was getting out of his car, the neighbor's cat approached him. Oh, hey, kitty. She got there. Carrying a dead squirrel oh, in its mouth, gross. which it laid at Mark's feet. Nice. You can see its guts and everything. The cat had an affinity for Mark and occasionally presented him with gifts of this no, sort. No, take it with you. Thanks for that. He dropped the dead squirrel inside a trash bin before stepping into his house. Cheryl? Hey? He noticed Cheryl wasn't home. Doubtless she was collecting more insects, so he lay down for a nap. He awoke after about an hour. Hey. 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 Good nap? Oh, yeah. Why are you putting on makeup? I thought we'd go out for dinner. Sounds good. Gee, I need to put some deodorant on. You are out cold. Okay. Well, it's not me. changing table. Cheryl, there is a dead squirrel in the house. Because he has no body. The devil doesn't travel. 
he's already there. So when he is, quote-unquote, present in a person, place, or thing, it's merely because he has gained some additional legal jurisdiction that enables him to interact in a more authoritative way. And getting rid of that legal connection that he has with that person, place, or thing, that is the job of the exorcist. Welcome back to The Exorcist Files, a deep dive into the true case files of exorcist Father Carlos Martins. I'm your co-host, Ryan Buffet, and I'm excited to help bring Father's stories into the world. Now, in today's episode, we continue the story of Mark and Cheryl and their struggle against an ever-growing darkness. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. I recommend you listen to part one of this story before moving forward. We are dropping right back into Cheryl's first major manifestation. So, as a reminder, listener discretion is advised, as this is a heavy subject. Cheryl screamed this last sentence, a shiver ran up Mark's spine. Although it was Cheryl that said it, it was not her voice that came out of her mouth. The scream was deep and low and resonated off the wall of the kitchen. Stunned by what happened, Mark got into the car and went for a drive. He was bewildered and unsure of what to do next. Cheryl had never made an outburst like this before. It just wasn't in her personality to do so. This is a good time to mention that personality changes are one of the more common external displays of possession. German religious psychologist T.K. Osterreich wrote the book Possession, Demoniacal, and Other, which was a key influence for William Peter Blatty's vision for The Exorcist. In it, he wrote, The patient's organism appears to be invaded by a new personality, governed by a strange spirit. It is as if another spirit had entered into the body and subsisted there, 
in place of or side by side with the normal subject. After driving around for a while, Mark finally calmed down. He picked up some dinner for the two of them and headed back home. Pet store 
Ten minutes later, Cheryl walked out carrying a paper bag, and the rideshare drove her back home. Mark parked his car on the street and planned his next conversation with Cheryl. Okay, so you wipe the bag in bonkers. You'll just go in there, you'll tell her, you're losing your mind, Cheryl. You're losing your mind. <laughs> I'm sure that'll go over well. Okay, here we go. Her hoarding of dead animals, her conversations with an imaginary baby, and visiting a psychic, none of this made any sense to him. He walked inside the door that led into the kitchen. David, hey, need to talk. Cheryl? Cheryl? On top of the kitchen table were two dead, bloody rats. A third one was on the counter. Blood oozed from its head, and it was twitching. Babe? Cheryl held a wooden, tenderizing mallet in her hand. What the hell? Babe, what's wrong? From oblivion comes first breath. The kingdom of death brings us new life. What are you doing? Babe, babe, what's wrong? He hasn't changed. He's not understood. You give today. We spent it tomorrow. What are we giving? You voice piece of shit. The voice made the ceiling and every cupboard door in their small kitchen vibrate. In all the years he knew her, Mark had never heard Cheryl use a crude word. Her moves were confident and aggressive, behaviors he never saw her exhibit before. Suddenly, Cheryl seemed significantly larger and broader than he had ever remembered. Her face was not her own. Also among the more common external displays of possession, are a change in facial character, a change in vocal tonality, and a change in spirit or temperament. I'll bring us quickly back to T.K. Osterreich's book, Possession, and bear with the phrasing as it's an academic book translated from German. He writes, quote, In the first place, the possessed takes on a new physiognomy. The features are changed, an expression of psychic constitution. The second characteristic is the voice. At the moment when the countenance alters, a more or less changed voice issues from the mouth of the person. The intonation also corresponds to the character of the new individuality manifesting itself in the organism and is conditioned by it. But the most important particular is the third. The new voice does not speak according to the spirit of the normal personality. Even if this is described as good and irreproachable, the words uttered by the strange voice generally betray a coarse and filthy attitude fundamentally opposed to all accepted ethical and religious ideas. The accounts of these particular cases are full of vile expressions and abuse of all kinds." End quote. Tragically, these external signs track with Cheryl to suggest the root of her issues might in fact be demonic. We'll be right back after this short commercial break. Let's get back to Mark and whatever was animating Cheryl's body. Mark knew that it was not his wife speaking. 
he was interacting with something else. Sheriff, Sheriff, Sheriff. Sheriff, calm, calm, calm down. I'm gonna go for a drive. I'll be back. Mark got into his car. Shit! Shit! Okay, come on, come on. Come on. Just then, Mark thought of something strange. Neither he nor Cheryl were very religious. They did, however, have a handful of religious frames and a cross hanging inside their home. The frames consisted of scripture quotes received as wedding gifts, a picture of Jesus that had belonged to Cheryl's parents, and a picture of a guardian angel guiding two small children across a rickety bridge that Mark had possessed since childhood. About three weeks earlier, he found them in a cardboard box inside their garage. At the time, Mark didn't think much of it. He assumed his wife was redecorating. However, she had only taken down the religious items. All he could think of was to drive to a church two blocks away. It was the church he and his wife occasionally, though rarely, attended. Sometimes Cheryl made them get up early on a Sunday morning and attend church. Since this was her way of asking God for a baby, Mark always complied. Mark was not sure he believed in God. He believed in something, but he was not sure what. Now, what Mark did here, which was run away to find help instead of engaging the possessing spirit, according to Father, that was the correct move. When one finds themselves out of their depth in any field, the best advice is usually call a professional. And that notion is no different in the field of spiritual warfare. In the Catholic Church, only an ordained priest may be an exorcist. Because exorcism is a dangerous enterprise. The uninitiated can get himself into an incredible amount of trouble very quickly before he even knows that he's in any danger. The devil is an angel. Scripture informs us that he was the most powerful angel, the chief of all the angels, and an angelic intellect is a profoundly mighty and powerful tool. The devil has nothing that slows down the sheer power of his calculation. He knows more about you and your life than you know about yourself. He knows what makes you tick, so he can tempt you in a way that you simply can't foresee. I mean, to imagine that you could outmaneuver him intellectually, it would be very dangerous for you. So in addition to being immortal, they're also incredibly smart. Fantastic. Also, quick note, you will often hear fathers substitute the word devil for the word demon, but that does not necessarily mean he's talking about the prince of darkness. I will use the words demon and devil interchangeably. Is it the devil himself that inhabits everyone? No. It might be one of the lesser demons and not the devil himself, but it might be him. It might be him. I've encountered demons that identify themselves as Satan. 
We will learn more about identifying demons and demonic personalities later. For now, back to Mark. Hello? Hello? Is anyone here? I need to talk to a pastor. Hello? Hello? Whoa, take it easy there, fella. I'm Pastor Jim. Nice to meet you. You're a preacher? Mostly, yes. Just kidding. Jim Masters, senior pastor here. Mark. Uh, My name is Mark. Nice to meet you. Um, I think I need to talk to you. You're white as a sheet, Mark. Yeah. What's on your mind? I have a problem. The church was a Methodist church. The minister had spent two years in South America with the Peace Corps when he was a young adult. In that time, he saw some wild demonic manifestations, and the experiences left him rattled and disturbed. Mark, that's quite a story. The worst part is, I believe you. You? Sure. God is very real. That means the other side is too. So what do I do? Can I hire you to get rid of it? (laughs) That's not how it works, son. Look, the demonic is real. No way around it. And it appears to have found you. And it's something quite serious. Now I'm going to pray with you. But I'd be remiss if I didn't refer you to St. Gregory's. There's a priest that works with their pastor there. He's better equipped to handle these situations. He sounds like my guy. I want to interject a brief point of clarification here. While there is no formal rite of exorcism in the non-denominational tradition that I am aware of, in my research, there have been noted successes within Protestant deliverance ministries. So we're not trying to suggest that only special Catholic prayers will help. There is, however, a great respect and deference to the Catholics when it comes to spiritual warfare, even among Protestants. In a way of mystery, Christ resides in the priest in the power of his ordination. And so when the priest commands in an exorcism, it's not just a man issuing a command. It's Christ himself within the priest who is commanding. So even it isn't enough for a man who is a priest to engage in exorcism. It needs to be a man who has been trained as an exorcist so that when he engages with the devil, he's not being sent into a slaughter. How does one engage in exorcism? You apprentice. That model is a tried and true one. I mean, (laughs) you can't really learn exorcism from a book. It's like trying to learn to dance by reading a book. It doesn't work that way. I learned under more than one priest, but there was one under whom I worked who was really a living saint. I learned an awful lot from him, and from that I began to develop my own kind of style that reflected my own gifts, and every exorcist has to do that. No one is able to copy his teacher 100%. You need to find your own stride. So that's what I did. God called me to be an exorcist, to help people who are ensnared by his enemy, and I appreciate very much that work. But I would have been just as happy had I never encountered any devil in my life. This is Father Martins. Paper.
for Ghosts is a true crime podcast investigating the mysterious disappearance five miles from where I was on that particular day, helping a friend clean out his garage. I agreed to meet Mark at a coffee shop down the street from the house later in the day. Over coffee, he gave me details about Cheryl. This isn't normal. No, she was smashing rats. Yes, but I know I sound crazy. I just... I don't know. I just don't know where to go from here. Like, it doesn't sound crazy. We can help you. We decided to go to his house together so that I could meet her. A priest typically wears distinctive clothing, a black clerical shirt with a white collar and black pants. But on this particular day, because I had been cleaning out a garage, I was wearing an old t-shirt and jeans. Cheryl is normally like, she's like the light of the room kind of girl, okay? So whatever we go into, just know that if she's not that, it's something else. I understand.
then I immediately scheduled her for an exorcism so that I could make contact with the devil and see what I was up against. Both of these sciences, if you will, the science of exorcism and the psychological sciences can certainly work in tandem. And they ought to work in tandem. This is a good point to emphasize, that exorcism is not a first resort. The Catholic Church is far more likely to lean on psychological treatment before attributing particular behaviors to the demonic. And you will hear Father insist throughout this series that whenever possible, psychological screening with a professional should be done prior to an exorcism, as the vast majority of cases are not rooted in the demonic, but are in fact cases of mental illness. As someone who came into this investigation with skepticism, I found it interesting that there are actually quite prominent psychiatrists, like Dr. Richard Gallagher in New York, whom we will hear from later, that specialize in this area and work to help people with suspected demonic afflictions. The bottom line is, a true Catholic exorcism is not something taken lightly. Cheryl had a wound. She had grown up in a very large family, and in this family, not being able to conceive was viewed as nothing short of a tragedy. So when Cheryl was unable to conceive at all, she had bound up her own personal happiness with being a mother. And that if she couldn't be a mother, she couldn't view herself as having any legitimacy as a wife or, or just as a person for that matter. Once she had exhausted what medicine could give her and exhausted prayer, right? I went to God, he didn't answer my prayer, so the only thing left was become God. I'm going to take matters into my own hands and I'm going to work with the hidden powers of nature and the spiritual realm to see if I can usurp this problem and give myself what God was unable to give me. Cheryl went to this psychic healer to see if she could find a remedy for this lack of fertility. That is a violation of the first commandment. You are taking the place of God. You're giving religious devotion to this reality. So when Cheryl did that, the devil pounced on it. That is what led to her possession. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 31, it is written, Do not turn to mediums or necromancers. Do not seek them out, and so make yourselves unclean by them. I began the first exorcism on Cheryl, and the demon was very aware of what was happening, and he didn't want anything to do with it. And what he kept saying is, I have a right to be here. She gave me that right. He didn't call her Cheryl, called her this pig. This pig refused God's will for her life, so she's mine. You can't have her. At first, the demon's hold was very, very strong. And at this point, I'm still drawing information, but the exorcism itself is going to reveal to me who is it that's in her, what personality is there, what is he after. And then at the same time, the psychologist helped Cheryl to see that her desire for motherhood was rooted in unhealthy expectations and that her refusal to accept the circumstances that life dealt her was the most significant factor contributing to her unhappiness. Cheryl was able to see that her obsession with motherhood was exactly that, that it was an obsession. And it was only when Cheryl began to accept that, yeah, I've been engaging in behavior that doesn't make sense. I veered into the occult, and that has brought implications. That in and of itself was already greatly lessening the demon's power. 
with her having begun that movement, my prayers and adjurations against the demon would have a more powerful effect. And Cheryl was able to be liberated after eight sessions. And there you have it. Cheryl ultimately found freedom, and her battle came to a victorious end. <laughs>